0: Good evening. Um, As Martin said, my name is Emily and uh, the title I've given this talk today is The Look of Love. Uh, You can say a lot with a look. I loved the royal wedding last week and uh, I loved the looks between Meghan and Harry. There's looks of love. It was littered with it. The service was littered with it. And I also loved the other looks that were also caught on camera. You can say a lot with a look, can't you? However, have you ever been on the receiving end, say, a disapproving look from a parent? That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Or maybe you've been in a situation where you felt a bit stuck, you've wanted to get out of it, and you've given a friend a get-me-out-of-here look. Or maybe you're enjoying church this evening just that bit more because you've snatched a little cheeky look with someone in the congregation that is filled with romantic possibility. (laughs) It can all start with a look... And that's what happened in this passage in Acts 3. A man who was lame from birth received restoration and physical healing. It transformed his life and it all started with a look. Peter and John were on their way to the temple when they saw the man by the entrance by the gate um, beautiful. And the man asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. And sometimes we can all look at the same thing and yet see something different. Do you remember the dress optical illusion that was crazily around the whole of the internet? Some people looking at the same picture saw blue and black, and other people saw gold and white. Or have you seen the trainer? Some people see this trainer and they see that it's a pink shoe with white laces. Others say, no, it's a grey shoe with turquoise laces. And then, have you seen the coffer illusion? Now, this one, most people tend to see rectangles, but there are actually 16 circles in that picture. And the thing is... You you can't find them, can you? (laughs) It's going to do your head in all day. Go look at it online. How you see the dress and how you see the shoe depends on how your brain interprets the light in the photos. How you see the coffer illusion is to do with the fact that most of the lines and shapes around us in life are rectangles houses, windows, doors. So your brain favours the shape of the rectangle. In other words, our surroundings and our previous experiences influence how we see things. Peter, who is nothing if not direct, looked straight at the man, and he told him to look at him. But I think there was more in this look than meets the eye. Because there was another time in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, where there was Peter, a look, and a life change. And It was at the Last Supper. Peter had just confessed his commitment to Christ. And he just said, I'm going to follow you anywhere, even to prison, even to death. And then Jesus says to him, Peter, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. And as was said, Peter, when confronted with his involvement with Jesus, denied Jesus three times. Then the cock crowed. And then it says... In verse 61 of Luke 22, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word. The Lord had spoken to him and he went outside and he wept bitterly. Peter went from the intention to defend and devote himself to Jesus to deserting and denying Jesus. But what did that look say? Was it a look of condemnation? I think it was a knowing look. But looking at how Jesus interacted with other people in the Gospels, I don't think it was a look of condemnation. I think it was a look of tender compassion. It was a look of love. In that moment, Peter experienced the love of God. I can relate to Peter. In so many ways, my intentions are good, but all too often, I mess up. I didn't grow up in a Christian home And um, didn't go to church. But when I was 15, a man came into my school assembly. And he spoke about Jesus. And he spoke about how Jesus loved us and died for us. And I kind of thought, did I need Jesus to die for me? I mean, I was a fairly good girl. I wasn't an an out-and-out rebel or anything like that. But I was aware that, of course, I'd made mistakes. There were things that I felt guilty about, ashamed of, and regretted. But as he spoke about Jesus' love... Though I had lots of questions, I thought, there's something in what he says that resonates as truth. And I remember praying and I remember saying, God, if this is real, if you're real and this is true, what he says, and you know me and you love me, then show me. And about the next 36 hours, several different things happened that all kind of seemed to come together in answer to that prayer. But it was that Monday morning. I went from being fast asleep on Monday morning to instantly awake. And I was filled with this incredible, almost indescribable love and joy that I'd never experienced before. Through the Holy Spirit, I'd experienced the love of God for the first time. And everything looked different from that point on. And that's what we see on Alpha every single term. People experiencing the love of God for the first time. Maybe you can identify with Peter in some way too. Because I think deep down we all carry regret and shame and guilt over things that have happened in the past few years or maybe even the past few hours. I read this thing that says, guilt is the burglar alarm for our conscience. And while it can ring, it cannot heal Only love can do that. And we can all experience the love of God. So that's the first thing, experience God's love. The second thing is expect God's power. This man, the lame man, he'd been begging his whole life. He was probably 40 years old, being sort of put there by the same people, the same place, every day for years. And when he gave Peter and John his attention... He expected to receive money from them, but he got more than he expected. Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. I could relate to the lame man. Not in a physical sense, not in physical limitations, but... I think so often I can have limitations on what I expect God to do, how he can break into my situations with power. Too often I come with too little expectation. When I picked Theo up from um, his HGB kids group at church last week, um, he showed me this piece of paper and what they'd been asked to do was to write on it things that God, what they wanted from God, what did you want from God? And I was thinking, Theo's going to nail this activity, you know. He's the son of a vicar. He's got awesome parents. I'm like, he's going to nail this. So I went, I was like, show me what you've got, Theo. Expecting to read things like, God, I want a wise and discerning heart. And things like, God, I just want to see others, how you see them. Or God, I want to know more of your love today. What I read was McDonald's. (laughs) KFC. PS4, PS3, Xbox, and then champagne. <laughs> I'm like, you're eight years old. I said, Theo, why did you write champagne? He said, I thought it'd be fun. <laughs> I thought you've been hanging around Knightsbridge for too long. <laughs> like the layman, Theo's expectations were on material things, not realizing that if we ask, if we ask God, He can supply all our needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Love, forgiveness, hope. The beggar had little expectation. Just expectation for money, for, for food, for rent, just enough to get by. He'd been in this situation his whole life. You can understand why he didn't have much of an expectation. Why would today be any day any different? Yet that day, his life was changed by the power of God. And maybe you can relate to the lame man. Maybe you think, actually, my situation's been going on for years. I have zero expectation that God will intervene and help by his power. I've been stuck doing the same thing. I'm settled where I am, and I expect little. And perhaps that's been a really hard and painful thing for you. The beggar's brokenness was obvious because it was the outside. It was ill health, and it was poverty. But obviously, brokenness is on the inside, too. Loneliness, relationships... Being unseen, and we know, don't we, that for those who are begging on the streets, being unseen is one of the most painful aspects, but you are seen. God looks at you, and he looks at me with eyes of love, and life rarely turns out how we expect it, does it? I know for me, there's, for good and for ill, for, there's lots of things that have happened in my life. I just think, that's amazing. I can't believe that's happened. I'm so grateful But there's also lots of things that have been really hard and really painful and been filled with disappointment. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Stir faith again and be expectant to see God's power at work. Because the lame man started the day begging that he finished the day bounding, bounding with joy. He started the day with no hope and yet he ended the day filled with hope, healing, restoration and a future. Why? Because somebody stopped and looked at him with love and expected God to move. So experience God's love, expect God's power and finally extend God's hope. At first glance, when I look at this story, I feel a bit intimidated because I think Peter comes across as some sort of superhero Christian with this incredible boldness. You know, he goes up to the man, he reaches out his hands and he says, you know, in the name of Jesus, walk, boom. I'm a bit like, am I, am I expected to do that kind of thing? Is that why that's in the Bible? I mean, I've read enough of the New Testament to know that Jesus says, he gives his followers the authority to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. Am I supposed to, am I supposed to be doing this kind of thing? Because I don't feel like I can do it. And what stops me? What stops me from doing that? To be honest, it's often things like, I just think, I don't feel good enough. I don't read my Bible enough. I don't pray enough. I'm not holy enough. I mess up. But Peter messed up too. God doesn't ignore our mistakes, but he does restore our mistakes, and he uses them. Remember that look that Jesus, after Peter, denied Christ. It was the look where Peter saw that he was broken, but he also saw that he was loved. The look that transformed him also transformed the way he looked at others. And because he'd experienced restoration himself, he knew it was possible for the beggar as well. And Jesus never asks us to give what we don't have. It's only as we receive the look of love from God that we can truly see in others that with that life-changing look. And Peter had no money, but he gave out of the riches he had in Jesus. The beggar had nothing. Peter had nothing. But so often with God, nothing plus nothing equals everything. Nothing is impossible with God. God's power was made perfect in weakness. There's a huge temptation, I think, for us to disqualify ourselves from being used by God, to extend hope to others. You just count yourself out. Maybe you just say, it's my age. I'm too young. I'm too old. Maybe you say, it's your past. You might think, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the kind of life that I've led. You don't know what kind of day that I've had or the night that I had last night. But Peter knew that his brokenness didn't disqualify him from seeing God's power at work because it was precisely because of his brokenness and then receiving God's love in the middle of it that meant he was able to reach out and identify with those that were broken around him. I just said we don't tend to like broken things. We come from our kind of culture where something's broken, we don't make to amend, we throw it away and we want something new. But we mustn't fear brokenness, but like Peter, accept it and then receive the new start that Jesus offers. God specialises in broken things and making them beautiful. Other things that might stop us, your possessions. You might say, I don't have the resources to make a difference. As Brian Stevenson said in the leadership conference a few weeks ago, your income does not determine your ability to change the world. You might disqualify yourself because of your lack of training or education. Your grades do not determine your ability to impact the world. Now I know that there's exams going on now all over the place. It's that season, it's that time of year. And I'm not saying if you're taking exams of any kind, whether at school or at university or at work, don't bother. I'm not saying, does not matter? Don't worry, God's got it covered. I'm not saying that at all, because I think that we should work hard to fulfill the potential that God has put within us. But your grades, good or bad, they don't define you. They don't define who you are. I studied A-level law, and um, I was a fairly new Christian at the time. I was so... Excited with this new love I'd experienced, this new revelation about God. And I decided that when I was going to sit my law exam, I wasn't going to write about law. I was going to write about grace. God's grace. So I sat the paper, and there came the questions. And rather than answering the questions, I wrote my testimony. And then I just wrote the gospel. And then I explained about baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then I prayed for the examiner. It turns out the examiner really was looking for questions related to law. um, And I got an E. But an E for evangelism. (laughs) You know, looking back, I wish I'd had as much wisdom as I had zeal in that situation. (laughs) But fortunately, God doesn't disqualify us either on our grades or our lack of wisdom. Why? Because it's not about us. I'm so relieved it's not about us. You know, when... When Peter said to the lame man, he said, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. He didn't say, Let me help you get up and walk. It's Peter's name, get up and walk. He said, In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And then when the man stood up, he didn't stand up and go, Ah, Peter, you are the man. You know, you're incredible. That was amazing. How did you do that? No, he got up and he praised God. It's in Jesus' name and it's for Jesus' glory. It's not about us. When Peter looked at the man and extended hope to him, not only was the man healed, but later on we read when those around him saw what happened, they were filled with wonder and amazement. And actually, if you read ahead in Acts chapter 4, it says that thousands of people believed because of what they saw in that one man's healing. And it all started with a look. Going back to the royal wedding on Saturday, I didn't just love it because of the pomp and ceremony, though I think as Brits we do that brilliantly. I didn't just love it because of the um, looks between Meghan and Harry. I I loved it because it was a reminder again through Bishop Curry's talk about how God looks at the world with love. And he said this, Bishop Curry said, Jesus began the most revolutionary movement in all of human history. Grounded in the unconditional love of God for the world, mandating people to live that love and in so doing to change not only their lives, but the very life of the world itself. This isn't just for the few, this is for the world. You know, God reached out to a broken world and he lifted us up through the death. And resurrection of Jesus. Peter reached out and he helped the man up. He got involved. And we can reach the world with love. When we reach one with love. When we get involved. He calls us to look at others with love. And to reach out and extend that hand of hope. Peter and John were just going about their day. I wonder who is it in your day It's just part of your day that God is wanting you to extend the hand of hope to. After that look between Jesus and Peter, the next day, Jesus, the guilt-free son of God, died on the cross so that we could be free of guilt, so that we could know the love of God, the power of God, the hope in God. I wonder... How do you think God looks at you today? Well, through the lens of the cross, you can know that he transforms your brokenness and he looks at you with love. You might think the situation with your friendships is broken, not through the lens of the cross. You might think the situation with your family is broken, not through the lens of the cross. You might think the situation with your marriage is broken, not through the lens of the cross. You might think the situation with your work is broken, not through the lens of the cross. You might think the situation with your finances are broken, not through the lens of the cross. You might think the situation with trying to have children is broken, not through the lens of the cross. Some people say that the church is broken, not through the lens of the cross. Jesus is alive. The church is not dead And we are the body of Christ and we are called to reach out in his name with that look of love. Jesus looked at Peter with that love. And that experience changed him. Peter looked at the lame beggar with love and that experience transformed him. We can look at the world with love and it has the power to transform the world. Because God takes that which is broken and makes it beautiful. And that's what He wants to do with us today. As we experience His love, as we expect His power, and we extend His hope. In Jesus' name. Amen.